everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of One Vision. This week, we have Dr. Joan Bajorek with us. She is the head of conversational design at Versa, and more interestingly, the CEO and founder of Women in Voice. She's also the top 11 voice AI influencer. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so let's start with um, Women in Voice. It's, it's something that you founded two years ago. I'm a little curious. Can you tell me a little bit more about the group and its mission and, and, and why it is needed in our industry? Ooh, such great questions. Well, Women in Voice is very self-descriptive with its title, Women in Voice. Um, it's all of, it's an international empowerment organization for women, women and um, gender diversity in voice tech, um, which Theo, you and I both know could um, have a lot of improvement potentially. Um, I founded Women in Voice right after Voice Summit 2018, their inaugural summit. Um, I was so excited for the content at Voice Summit, but the demographics, I thought, could use a lot of iteration. So a month later, I launched Women in Voice, and uh, from there, in, the, in a matter of six weeks, 27 people internationally signed up for leadership positions. And I was like, ooh, I'm not alone in thinking that there's you know potential to grow here. Um, and to be clear, Voice Summit is one of our um, community sponsors, or you know we we partner together. We love collaborating. So Women in Voice today has uh, whew, we just launched Brazil, uh, so eleven chapters in eight countries. I believe is the correct answer. Um, I have a Women in Voice kind of has two pieces, or well. We have two pieces. We have a large international presence on Twitter and LinkedIn and our Slack. Our internal Slack is blowing up all the time. We just launched our Instagram. So this international digital and then our local chapters doing amazing events in Madrid and London uh, and Seattle here. So we have a lot of local uh, flavor, different presences around the world. Our mission um, as well as support is a lot about celebration amplification, empowerment, and really connection. Um, and that's manifested in, in many different ways. Um, but it's wild to me how fast we have scaled in less than two years. So I'm just super grateful for my team and the support of the voice community. Um, it really it inspires me every day. So let's, let's talk about um, what you're focused on now then. So, so you're in this sort of conversational research role at Versa. Can you tell us a little bit about Versa, but why don't you go back a little bit and like, you know, how did you get there? What did you study? What did you research? You know, where did you like learn what you learned and, and how are you putting that to application? So like go back a little bit and then tell us what you're doing now. How did you end up here? I ask myself that question very often. Uh, so I primarily identify as a linguist and a researcher. Uh, when I got my master's um, back at UC Davis, back in, uh, I guess I ended it in 2016, I was looking at NLP. I was seeing phonetics and acoustics. I was looking at multilingual interfaces like Duolingo and being like, whoa, multilingual, multimodal interfaces where you know the audio is connected, there are benchmarks, thresholds of acceptance what is this data set, right? Like I was like, this is fascinating. And there are like three people making tech for millions. Um, and I was just like, whoa, I don't agree with all your design choices. You know, and I think that kind of design research and impact 
really hit me at that point. So I pursued a PhD at University of Arizona, all about multimodal interfaces, multilingualism, really focused on ed tech verticals, partnered with startups, built a huge research program, quantitative and qualitative around that. And that's the research that um, made me a little bit famous, at least in academia, presenting domestically and internationally. And it's with that research that I came to tech and presented or spoke at Voice Summit um, and said, you know, here's some research findings that pair with what you're seeing, you know, at Amazon or at a different university um, implementing Alexas into your programs. So that um, all of that research, I got a job at Nuance um, and worked at a co- as a conversational experience designer last year. Um, and then later uh, came to this, they, they recruited me here at Versa. Um, Versa is the largest voice agency in the world, and we are headquartered in Melbourne. Um, I'm part of the first three hires here in Seattle, and our head of technology, Steve Hansen, um, is based in Utah. So as far as research goes, I will say I'm the lone researcher, it's true, um, but I am on the startup innovation international expansion arm of this broader voice agency. So we can build you all kinds of things, um, but a really integrated approach, thinking about chatbots, thinking about web, thinking about mobile. Um, we really think about the future of uh, integrated builds. Wow. Uh, okay, so you are interested in it, you loved the challenges, you see the problems, and you look in enough to pursue a PhD. Okay. All right. (laughs) That is is quite a start. Um, So let's talk a little bit about um, the the article that you wrote last year in HBR, which was actually something that that caught my eye. Voice recognition still has significant race and gender biases. Now, coming from an ethnic minority, with multiple accents that seems to change itself throughout the day um, from a multilingual family. Um, I don't even know how many we, we speak. It's a giant mess. And I absolutely agree with you. I remember um, we had a chat recently where we have all three devices, right? We're not going to talk about which brand works better, but we do have all three of them. And we struggle. We struggle a lot with that because the way we speak is not typical of how people speak, right? We mix different languages together in the same sentence. Um, We have multiple accents mixed in together when we're speaking as a family. And it's a big, big, big challenge, right? Um, From a user perspective, I almost feel like I am ready to give up. It's like, dude, I've tried for two years and it just does not work for me. Um, Is it my voice? Is it my gender? Is it the way I speak? Is it my accent? and, and I know a lot of that goes into what you're doing and what your research is in terms of bias, right? So is a bias-free future actually possible with voice? Will any of these technology work for people like me? Multi-million dollar question. Oh, such an important question too. Um, is a bias-free future actually possible? I mean, this HBR article came out of one of my comps papers for my PhD exams because to be able to articulate how we design systems and the flaws in them is really important. And even how we design KPIs, um, the idealized voice systems of the future can understand anything overlapped at any time. 
Um, so th- there's these theories about these chaotic noises that even if you had a huge dump truck and you could barely understand something and like humans might not be able to understand it, but the computers could separate out and understand perfectly, you know, 100%, no word error rate. Um, this is a theorized thing that's happened. I mean, I've <laughs> read documents from the eighties, um, you know, theorizing that this is possible. Um, we just haven't created it yet. I mean, the systems of today, um, and I, I, I really, I'm so sorry that you struggle with, or you have no idea how often I talk about my research at dinner parties and women are like, that explains it. This isn't like, they thought it was in their minds or it's their fault. Isn't that narrative I hear all the time? You know, it understands my husband. It doesn't understand me. And I'm like, yeah, because we see the <laughs> potential 13% differences just in male and female need to speak voices potentially 13. I mean, and that's not even into the multi-layered complexity you're talking about with multilingualism and accent shifting and different ages, um, just the length of the vocal tract. I mean, we could solve so many different variables, but I think the key thing with that HBR article, um, and I've actually gotten a lot of feedback. You didn't talk about hardware specifically in the, the type of mics, because there is the hardware problem and the software problem that's not quite explored in that article, but it was uh, relatively short. The thing that I double down on is data sets and the type of inputs and outputs. If you're trying to match it. So Theo, if I made a customized system for your family, you tell me you've got different language backgrounds. I would collect a specific data set that matches your family and the type of words you use in your different languages, right? If I targeted it right at you and, you know, my target users, um, what would that data set look like? What would the hardware look like for that use case? But today we often have systems that, I mean, it's crazy to me, but sometimes there's 70% white male early adopter voices. And how could that extrapolate well onto everybody else? And that's not thinking about multilingual context or accents of different peoples. Um, and that's one of the things I talk about in the article is if you're, if you want to sell your product, do you only want it to work for that small subset? Like there are a lot of people in California, but come on, like I want to be able to sell to a lot of different people. And especially um, having lived in California and Arizona, um, Mexican populations and people who speak both Spanish and English at home, they're a huge growing demographic of the future. If you look at these growth index, just by my numbers, you know, if you want to make money, <laughs> who are you selling to? And hopefully it works for those people. Um, I have a, a colleague who um, is quite wealthy and he didn't buy a smart fridge because he knew it wouldn't work for him and his wife because they speak Spanish and English at home. Do you know how much smart fridges cost? Do you know? But just this IoT concept, right? And so I think there's a moral reasons for, for bias changing. And there's also huge financial um, things at play here. So I think if we can harness hopefully both of them and get people excited about customizing these systems and, and talking to teams about this. So beyond bias and beyond, you know, sort of the the challenges around the technology, you've done a lot of research around user experience in speech recognition technology. Is there anything that has really surprised you as you've done this research? I think what's so wonderful, or I feel deeply lucky, even though it was a huge amount of work related to my PhD program and the research I got to do for that, because I really um, was unencumbered to explore lots of different questions and ask users about what they wanted. Um, I 
what surprised me most, I think, is how easily people could conceptualize what the future could look like. I really heard from many, many users about personalization and being walked through um, experiences um, with an assistant that was tailored towards them, that they felt like they had a buddy. And Kathy Pearl talks about the future of voice assistants, uh, personal assistants that are really they are informed by our by our patterns, by our habits. Um, they become smarter and smarter with more data about us. Um, that they can be so tailored. They can feel warm and intimate. And uh, I certainly, in user interviews um, during my PhD research, asked, um, heard a lot of material about that. Um, heard from one user, "Wow, in this system, there are no black people." Have you noticed that? Um, you know, just really candid things that come out of user interviews um, that pair well with log data about usage patterns. And people say they use it and they totally don't, or they say they're not interested. And then <laughs> I see logged, they've used, used the software for over 10 hours um, in certain cases. So I think really pairing that quantitative data of, you know, user flows and looking how they pass through modules with um, survey and interview data of people, great, you know, quotes of being people being like, I forgot that it wasn't a real thing. You know, I really got immersed in this system. Um, and I think I just really felt like I was hearing the future, you know, come before my eyes. So to be able to have a research plan like that, I think just surprised me how open and excited people are about some of these new technologies. We would like to give a mention to our creative partner, Tremendousness. Tremendousness is a creative agency that uses visual thinking, information design, and storytelling to help organizations explore innovations, products, and processes. Learn more at www.tremendo.us. You're getting me, you're definitely getting me excited um, it, when we talk about future, because, you know, there are so many things that that we can imagine voice, right? Even just in movies, they always talk about, you know, all of these things. You can just walk into the house and you can say something just in, in the air, right? You don't have to think about first activate a specific device with the name, which drives me crazy because like I mentioned, we have three of them. And so just remember which one we talk to with whom and each one of them are better at some things versus the other, right? That's how we're learning. And so we have learned to tailor our questions towards different devices, which is a lot of work. And then we have learned to speak it in a certain way to get the answers that we're looking for, which again is yet another layer of complexity. It's almost like I would envision voice of the future of me being able to talk to something, just like how I'm talking to you right now, without having to learn a different way of speaking. Because that, that was the promise of voice, right? It's something so easy that children can communicate with, that seniors older adults can communicate with as, as a way to get help. Um, what, what other things um, do we think, hopefully, <laughs> that, that we will see in the future that, that gets you excited? Well, I mean, you mentioned multiple things that I'm deeply excited about. Um, I think, first of all, the idea that like, um, one of, an, a friend of mine who's an ex-Alexa uh, person has talked about 
teaching Alexa versus Alexa teaching you is just one example of how a lot of systems expect us to speak almost in code, right? The order matters specifically. It will not understand your input unless you do it in the correct way, according to it, which is so ridiculous. I am deeply excited about some accessibility um, things. You mentioned um, aging populations. You mentioned kids. Um, the work that has come out of Microsoft related to gaming, when um, systems, gaming systems are designed for people with different hands and different abilities, suddenly there's great innovation across populations, right? Those products can be used for so many people. Um, I think, I mean, I've talked about personally productivity tools, like why are we still writing emails or like drafting things? Like, I don't know about you, but super, I mean, they might be mundane. They might be a little boring, but if you could help me automate and make my email and my calendar functionality really intelligent, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, why? <laughs> like literally you need to find that Google team and we need to work together because the fact that you can, you can voice type into Google docs. Most people I know don't know about that functionality that I assume is, you know, MVP for Gmail eventually. Um, but the way when we talk about super high frequency use cases, super high impact, they may not be sexy, but if, if you could make that automated, how much burden and how much time that could take off a lot of people's plates for mundane tasks they don't want to be doing. I think voice technology can help in that capacity. I think um, I'm really excited to see a really integrated world, you know, gaming, you mentioned uh, different movies or different things, entertainment thinking through, I always get asked about her, you know, are we scared we're going to fall in love with our assistants? Um, I don't know that we'll, we'll see, um, but I definitely think mental health and telehealth um, applications are really blowing up right now, especially in this current time period when um, access to resources and, and different information is so crucial. Um, why, why don't we have conversational assistants that are helping us and walking us through those things? Also, maybe another non-sexy application is forms. Um, I've been looking at systems that help you walk through like um, data entry things that people make so many mistakes. I mean, that's a, that's a user experience. We Users don't make mistakes. Uh, it's not been designed for. Um, but the ability to, instead of having a human on the phone, walk through those forms with you. Again, this is not a very fun experience for, for anyone to think. I mean, people want to build more, more gaming things, of course. Um, but the impact that this can have of saving people hours, I think is, is extremely important to me. So productivity tools is definitely something I personally do a lot of um, independent research on. When you when you think about you know the future, I, I think about you know how how our family uses the different devices. And to your point, I think it's really um, it resonates with a lot of people that you know perhaps these things shouldn't be as hard. Perhaps they should fill out you know forms or like do email and you know type of thing. That are just they just take so much of our time. Um, you know, we we uh, usually use it for timers. We use it for music. We use it for really basic things. And then when we do ask very simple questions, we get very strange answers or we get really elaborate answers that fill in this void of information, but at the same time doesn't exactly answer the question. Um, when you think about voice and the power of voice applications and you think about the coming decade, you just talked about some of the things you're really interested and excited about. But do you think in 10 years we're going to get to this point where, you know, 
we are talking in conversation with these applications to the point where, you know, it's like what we see in the movies. It's truly advanced. Um, where, where do you think we're going to be in 10 years? Oh, 10 years. I am so deeply excited to see. I think the, a really similar question I get asked is, will conversation experience designers be replaced by AI? You know, will we have humans writing the back end? And as of the builds I see today, the answer is for still a good two to five years, uh, humans, you know, won't be natural language generation. How integrated, how intelligent in 10 years, people are work, so many different teams around the world are working on these problems. Um, and I believe with, uh, you know, good funding and really innovative ideas, they will become way more sophisticated. I, I don't know. I mean, the, the idea of her, you know, this beautiful Scarlett Johansson that you could just answer a few questions and it's perfectly understanding you. I, I still think we're a long way off from that. Maybe because I've been on the back end, it's so clunky. I mean, I know what the build takes, you know? I'd be, I'd be even okay with like, you know, the, the, made from the Jetsons or something, right? Just, you know, <laughs> hey, could you go sweep the kitchen or something? Because if we could put voice into like a Roomba and like, you know, have something go clean. It's well, like an hour or anything. They're voice now. activated these days. I've heard, I mean, really? <laughs> gotta drop a pretty penny to get one. But um, I do think, well, and something um, sounds like all of, the, of us have multiple devices. And I certainly, throughout my day, I'm using my desktop, I'm using my iPhone, and then I move to the kitchen or the living room and I have my um, Google Home. And just the fact that I want to switch my Pandora onto a better um, speaker system and I have to, it's glitchy, right? I have to like stop one, start up the other. Like, is it, uh, you know, that th these companies currently don't talk or don't collaborate on some, you know, synthesis across I mean, I even think about if we're talking about builds and kind of um, syncing up um, content management, all the different assets. If we're just about voice, right, there's inputs and outputs, uh, but there's also like multimodal builds. Like users often, depending on the use case, want visuals. They want video. They want to be able to touch the screen. And these are really resource intensive, <laughs> difficult builds. I talk to developers and they're like, oh, no. No, no, no. Can we not do images? Like, please, no. Um, so I think just um, asset management. I don't know if you all have heard about Jargon, the startup that's working on that um, out of Seattle, Milkana Brace. But really thinking about the future of, are we going to have just Excel spreadsheets? You know, like really thinking through, um, I guess, having been, you know, on the design part of it, thinking through all these inputs and outputs and what they could, how sophisticated they are or not. Um, Yes, that's that's um it gets complicated really fast. It, it is complicated. It's it's interesting because I think we have come a long way in the last few years, right? Almost feel like we're taking a lot of things for granted. Thinking about, you know, Amazon Alexa devices, Echo devices, thinking about um I think uh, Brian, he posted something. I, I didn't even realize um, Siri was sold to to Apple exactly 10 years ago yesterday. Wow. I, I, I didn't even know it has been 10 years. I almost felt like, oh, it's just been a few years, right? Because think about the application and the user adoption of it. Um, it 
And, and looking at how people use it in Asia, right, versus how, how people use it in the U.S. Yesterday, Brian and I just had this conversation because whenever I'm in Hong Kong, I see people speaking into phones, short messages. They're sending asynchronously to each other. And it always puzzles me. I'm like, why didn't they this text? Why don't they just pick up a phone call, right? They're literally sending voice memos to each other. I don't see a lot of that in, in the U.S. So I think part of that is potentially I'm speculating culturally um, is, is a little different. I think writing Chinese characters um, as well as Indian, um, different languages are much harder than writing, let's say, spelling in, in English. Because um, I struggle with that too when I when I try to write in Chinese characters and WhatsApp to my friends. After a while, I just give up. I, I start typing in English because it's easier. Um, if there is one way, one wish, let's say there there is a something one wish in here that, that you wish will see happen or something that you would wish to see change um, in the voice space, what would it be? Oh, one wish. I know normally the fairies oh, have three wishes, but we're going with one. <laughs> I think a democratization of who is building. Uh, one of the things I, I evangelize deeply at Women in Voice is when we give people the resources and tools to everyone, we come up with totally new, different creative projects. I am so inspired by my COO, who is a developer on Bixby, and the type of you know games she's building for her family are so wild and cool. And I think to be able to, anyone can develop anything in any language and really um, cultivate systems. I mean, the fact that you're saying it's much harder in different languages that in and of itself is part of the problem, right? It was not designed potentially. I was reading a phenomenal paper by my new acquaintance, Dan Van Esch of, of Google API, um, looking at different scripts. Like you, the idea that you're sending voice memos instead of, you know, dictating is actually quite common, um, internationally, domestically, not, not as much, but in West Africa, people, because it doesn't even support their fonts. Like literally, they write notes to each other and send photos back and forth. That's how bad it is. That's how it doesn't support them and their languages, speaking or otherwise, right? That's absurd. We would not accept that. But I think the resources, the money allocated to support different languages currently, I mean, there are, what, six, 7,000 languages, depending on how you count things. That's, that's resource intensive, right? But I can think uh, voice technology by everyone, for everyone, we would see such a different ecology and really, I'm so excited and delighted that, um, well, Women in Voice can really help support people and say, you can do it. You know, here's implicit and explicit mentorship of getting you those resources, learning these skill sets and, and building different kinds of teams. Um, I think I foresee, or at least there are brilliant people around me, some disrupting startups. I see potential for that um, in the future that really could um, shape the future of voice tech. So that's my answer in a nutshell for you. I love that voice technology by everyone for everyone. And that is a great conclusion to our podcast episode today. Thank you so much, Dr. Joan, for joining us. And thank you everyone for listening into a new episode of One Vision. That was awesome. Thanks so much for having me.